Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors, as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder-friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital, or you are looking to get your company acquired, or just need some sound financial planning, and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com, or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So I'm very excited about the guests that we have today. I think that we're going to be learning quite a lot about, you know, the, the healthcare tech sector and, you know, how to build it, how to scale it, how to finance it and how to exit it. So the full cycle. So I guess without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest today, Jean Neme. Welcome to the show today. Thank you very much for having me, Alejandro. So obviously you, you grew up in, in London. But I know that, uh, you know, you see healthcare being like the future, you know, and the, and the next stage, you know, of our era. So why did you want to become a doctor in first place? Um, you know what? I always wanted to be a doctor ever since I was uh, a kid. And I know everyone will tell you that story. But, you know, with me, I was really interested in the way that the body worked and, you know, the way that things inside could go wrong and interested in how we can use whether it was pills or some form of technology to to fix what happened on the inside right um and so i remember as a as a kid being deeply fascinated with healthcare right and with medicine but also like deeply uh fascinated with my playstation and my nintendo and everything else i used to play with as a kid right um, yeah, I mean, was 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 there like for you, Jean, a specific point in time where you developed this interest that you were pointing to? Um, I, I don't remember a specific point in time, but I just remember wanting to read about how the body worked, right? You know how how does everything get put together in us, and how does it work in a synchronized way that allows us to, you know do the basic things that we want to do, like walk down the road and get ourselves a coffee, right? You know, so much intricacy, yeah. so, many, so much biology working together to be able to allow us to do some basic things that, with things that we take for granted, right? Um, until they go wrong. Yeah. So then obviously you made the decision of, of going at it and, and you ended up in Imperial College. So, I mean, that's quite a... Uh, uh, you know, a lot of accomplished individuals are coming out, out of there. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, that gave you some perspective too. Yeah. I mean, I ended up doing, you know, I ended up doing my, my, my medical training and then ended up in, in St. Mary's Imperial 
as a as a junior doctor and the, the interesting thing about you know medicine is you learn you learn a science you learn biology you learn pathology but day one when you're asked to figure out what's going on with somebody and actually be a doctor you realize like this huge step between the two right and i'll tell you a funny story um day one as a medical uh doctor i was actually um petrified of blood right believe it or not you know i qualified and trained as a doctor and was petrified of blood right and every time i learned how to, every every it's crazy right but every time i learned how to to take blood i would do it on a mannequin right where i do it on a you know an imaginary arm and you know i passed in my my exams with flying colors but you know i was petrified of blood and so day one as a junior doctor i got asked by my my senior to go and take blood from somebody right and i'm completely scared i'm like really um and so i'm crossing this boundary from you know theoretical medicine biology systems pathology how things work to actually having to do some real medical work right yeah so she sends me to this patient we just admitted and um this patient was a patient who you know had uh multiple issues um and because they were an injector of of recreational drugs they also had no no veins uh, so really hard to find a place to take blood from and also the patient suffered from you know having hepatitis and hiv and, and so it was a great first patient to pick for me to go and take blood from right <laughs> yeah um and you know so i ended up trying to take blood from this person and um i put a syringe in i put a needle in got blood out and i was very proud of myself i was you know literally first time got in got out i was incredibly proud of myself i got over my fear of blood straight away and then what i did was I, as i went to put the what you should never do is as you go to put in the 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 needle into the into the tube to send the blood off i stabbed myself right oh my god i know tell me about it so i ended up stabbing myself and at risk of getting uh some bloodborne diseases so i yeah. ended up in the emergency department myself as day one as a doctor <laughs> and having to take uh medications to stop myself from getting uh any bloodborne conditions right oh my god yeah i and mean you could have you could have gotten contagious with anything there you go right and so i get a i you know my my mother called me she's like how's your first day as a doctor and i was like oh, it was fantastic <laughs> <laughs> right wow but wow yeah. Not not a not a bad first day. So so I guess um, then you know I want to ask you at what point do you see the possibilities that you know merging medicine with technology? I mean, the magical outcomes that could come out of that. Look, m medicine is a science, and science is inherently a a place of uh, a place where technology is is core to progress, right? So. You know, merging medicine and technology isn't something that I did. It's, it's something that's been happening for many, many years, right? You know, whether it's the discovery of antibiotics or the discovery of how we should be using antiseptic, right? Medicine as a science, foundationally, you only get progress through investing and through, through technology. I guess the twist that we brought to this was 
was trying to think about kind of digital-based technologies, right? So thinking about how can you integrate the use of mobile and data, which were typically used in, in, in different industries. How can you integrate the use of these kind of technologies in, into medicine? And um, the interesting thing about healthcare is what the world is seeing right now with COVID is, you know, there's inherently a lot of, a lot of problems that delivering medicine at scale brings, right? You know, um, the big, the big issue is how, how do you, how do you deliver consistent, repeatable care to everybody in a way that it scales in a way that makes sure that, you know, um, patients who are getting treatment in, in New York get the best treatment possible in a way that's equivalent and equal to patients who are, you know, being treated in Wyoming. Right. Um, and so, yeah. You know, the possibilities are endless because the challenge and the problems of trying to deliver healthcare is, is real and is there. Um, and just opening up your eyes, you realize that, you know, maybe there are things that we can do better. Um, so. so then at what point do you, you know, really come to the, to the realization that, uh, that you got to do something, that you got to launch your own thing, that you got to go at it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part-time when I was, as as you as you said, part time I was at a I was studying a master's again. Yeah, Imperial was the place, and I was doing um kind of some research on uh, the application of technology and simulation. And you know, I started having a, a lot of thoughts around you know what could I do with technology, and how could I you know get involved in technology in a way that brings innovation to to the front line to healthcare. Uh, colleagues of mine and uh, you know during that time and after I finished that master's I you know started really applying myself in this space right um, yeah. and it's hard because in medicine there's a very like in many things in life right you've got a very clear path right it's 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 almost like your path is incredibly predictable you know what you're going to be doing next year you know what you're going to be doing in five years it's laid out for you. You've got tick boxes that you've got to tick. And if you if you achieve each one of these positions and these statuses, then you just climb this, this ladder, which leads you to becoming this consultant. And then you've got your own practice and your private practice. And it's very clear, right? Um, and so it was very hard to try and do something different, I guess. Got it. Got it. So then, So then what happened next? Um, what happened next was um, I convinced a, a much more uh, intelligent doctor that I know, who was my senior at the time, Andre, to to join forces with me, and um, told him that you know here's this application that I've been involved in building, and what do you think? And um, you know I showed it to him when he was doing his PhD in stem cell research, and he he was the guy who you know overlooked me when I was a, you know, oversaw my, my development as a junior doctor because he was more senior to me. And um, then we were like, what should we do? And I was like, we should try and build a company out of this, right? And um, I think it's really important. And, you know, let's try and get some research grants. So we went around trying to get research grants and, you know, we got laughed out of many rooms. And then we tried to raise some, some investment capital because we'd read things like Y Combinator and TechCrunch and all these things happening in the U.S., and uh, 
we uh, we used to go to pitches with investors, and we'd have a a pitch deck which was like three hundred slides, and uh, our business model was a slide which had um, fireworks on it, and under when the fireworks would disappear, we'd we'd basically say that we're going to give the product away for free, right? So yeah. all these investors would look at us going like uh, <laughs> you guys are not investable, <laughs> right? Um, right. And so, you know, we got told no many, many, many times. And every time when we got told no, you know, what I did pretty conscientiously with Andre was uh, try and figure out what we were doing wrong and try and improve, right? And so we built this yeah. process of improving, improving, improving. And it was, it was quite hard because, you know, it's very, very challenging being an academic, stepping out from this academic world into this world of business and venture. And, you know, realizing that you don't know anything, you're not prepared for this kind of world of challenge. And, you know, whereas in academia and in medicine, you know, we were doing our exams, like, you know, doing, getting straight A's and doing great. We're in a world where we're just like failure, 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 right? Um, yeah. So it's very, very challenging for us personally, right? But um, we kept on going, right? We kept on going and um, couldn't get anything so done. Huh? What do you think? What do you think changed then, uh, Jean, from getting you know through all these no's and you know and, and people not being you know enrolled to really jump in to all of a sudden you know like uh, the tipping point where things you know you guys you know turn 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 the corner. The tipping point was uh, I can tell you the tipping point in like two words: city, right? The tipping point was New York, right? New York City, three words now, right? Um, right. We, we couldn't raise any money in the UK and, you know, no matter how hard we tried, no one would give us anything. And in the end, I found this um, accelerator program in New York called Blueprint Health. And uh, I wanted to apply to it. So I applied to it. And then I was like, should I tell Andre? And I was like, no, I won't tell Andre. I'll just do the application, do the interviews. And if I get through, then I'll tell him that he has to move to New York with me for three months. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> So I do this application and, um, you know, we get through it and I, they interview me and they're like, is your co-founder happy to come? I'm like, yeah, he's definitely happy. They're like, where is he right now? I'm like, he's operating. Don't worry about him. He's in. Right. So then, you know, one day they call me and they're like, Hey Jean, you know, congratulations. You're coming to, you're coming to the New York, you know, one of the co-founders of this program just has to fly and see you guys, but we want to accept you. We want to fly you over. We, you're in. Right. And so uh, I was like, wow, this is amazing. They're like, yeah, we need to meet you and your co-founder, Andre. I was like, oh. But then I called Andre. I was like, hey, dude. He's like, hey, man, what's up? I'm like, just so you know, I applied to this, this accelerator program in New York. And basically we're in, but we've got to move to New York for three months. Right. I, I won't yeah. say what he said, but you can imagine it was pretty harsh. And then he hung up yeah. the phone. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and how, how how did you get him, you know, to to pick up the phone back again? Well, he called me back like five minutes later. He's like, "So, dude, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like just swear and you know." But, uh, uh, so, what do you mean we're gonna go to New York? And I was like, "Look, dude, this is a thing." And and then he figured it out. He's like, "Well, I'm gonna take all my annual leave." You know, at the time, me and Andre never mentally made the decision that we had to leave medicine. Yeah. Uh, to build this, 
right? We just thought that we could build like, you know, a crazy huge billion dollar company by not leaving medicine and by being like doctors. But everybody expected us to leave, right? They expected us to have real skin in the game. And um, he was like, we're both like, oh, we'll take all our holidays and we'll find a way. Anyway, we took all our holidays, we found a way and we ended up in New York uh, doing this accelerator program. And uh, day one, we walk into this huge loft, super cool, graffiti everywhere, health tech, you know the style, right? The white combinator, sleek, yeah. loft, style. And there we are with our shirts, our ties, our suit, and all these people around us, like with trainers and sneakers and t-shirts, right? Yeah. And they were like, hey, who are you guys? I'm like, well, sorry to, to bother you guys. We're here to become like, you know, entrepreneurs. They're like, oh, Okay. <laughs> Sit over there. <laughs> and then I remember we all had to introduce ourselves, right? So we had all these like yeah. really cool hipsters, like, yo, I'm like, you know, Josh, I'm building this company that's going to change like the world. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Wow. So then me and Andre get up on stage and we're like, hi guys, really sorry to bother you here. You know, we're just two doctors really trying hard to build this surgery tool. We think it's really, really special. You know, we're going to make it like amazing and you know we're trying really hard but we don't know if it's completely there yet we've got a lot of work it's quite average right now but we've got a few thousand downloads so we you know so the, the the guy who the guys who run it grabbed me and Andre afterwards like hey guys like two things one like can you stop apologizing for being around <laughs> it's like can lose the britishness right just <laughs> stop apologizing and just stand up and say that you're awesome and you're doctors and you're entrepreneurs and we're like oh really it's like, yeah, and also just lose the shirts and the ties. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was our that was, awesome. our that was our introduction to New York. Got it. And then how, how would you say that, the, you know, you were saying that for you guys, this was a turning point. So how was that? I mean, obviously you talked to us about what was the before and then what was the after? What happened after this? So what we realized at this point in time was uh, we had to build a business before we were like purely academically thinking. We everything we approached was, you know, how do you validate? What's the what's you know what's the hypothesis? How and a lot of that is correct in terms of how to to test and and build things. But what we learned in the US was you have to get on the phone, you have to make sales, you have to make calls, you have to get people excited. Sometimes when you have nothing, um, apart from you know, your passion and your desire to make something better and fix a problem, then you have to articulate that, right? And and it really changed our thinking from, you know, we we went from thinking that maybe we could build something that was interesting and academically viable to really believing that, you know what, we can get up the phone and we can build a business. And I remember this call with um a professor of neurosurgery who was one of our first customers and you know he called us and he was like you know i want to build a simulation with you guys and i was like okay great and then he was like you know how much does one cost i was like in my head i was like cost what do you mean cost and uh then i realized that he wants to pay i was like oh and then i just like told him like one second let me check with our finance department our finance department at the time was andre right so i put him on mute i was like hey andre how much does it cost to build one of these? <laughs> and so Andre was like, you know, uh, 50,000 bucks. So I was like, okay. So I was like, hey, 50,000 bucks. He's like, okay, great. I'll send you a check. 
And that was the first sale we ever made in New York, right? And uh, that's the point when we realized that actually we were building something that was valuable. People were prepared to pay to be a part of it. And we had people who were using it. And, you know, there was a problem that we were solving that people were prepared to, to really, you know, engage with us and pay us to, to help fix, right? Um, and how, how, was that, how was that process? Because I know that there was an interesting story there with your first customer that ended up being the acquirer, Medtronic. Yeah, so we ended up kind of talking to Covidian back then. I mean, Medtronic acquired Covidian, but we ended up talking to a group out in, in Europe and, um, you know, the, the, thing that, the, the thing about small companies is even though they're doing something amazing, sometimes they're really worried because they're small and they worry about looking small in front of big companies. And so, you know, I remember, like, we wanted to build a procedure that would help um, support surgical training for, a, you know, a specific device that was made by Covidian, right? And so what we did was we ended up getting a meeting, the team came in, but we had no office, we had nothing, right? So we rented this office for like three hours. And, uh, you know, we, we got like ourselves dressed up and corporate and, you know, I remember like spending, t you know, time watching uh, on, on YouTube back then, you know, how to present to corporate groups and, you know, so we presented to them and it was great because, you know, we, we got the opportunity to work with that group. But what was really, I mean, what was really scary at the time was, you know, how, how does a company that, you know, was basically a couple of people, right, do a, do a deal and become, you know, a vendor to a company that was 90,000 people, right? Um, and I think that's something that a lot of us will have to face as we build companies and people have to face as they build companies. It's, you know, how do you build credibility in, in the marketplace? And um, really back then it just came down to, you know, us telling them to, you know, and convincing them to trust us. And it worked, it paid off. Very cool. And obviously for you guys, it was a transition as well on the, on what you were offering, no? I mean, you went from a mobile app into something that was used being the, you know, inside the operating rooms. So how was that transition like? Um, so when, when we built the technology, um, we always wanted to to apply our technology beyond just the the outside the operating room perspective. You know, we knew that we could help surgeons train and prepare outside of the operating room, but we always wanted to to be in the operating room, right? Um, and that was in all of our early pitch decks. And you know, our thinking was eventually our our technology would be in Google Glass. So we bought a Google Glass. And then we thought it'd be in Hololens, and we bought a Hololens, and then, but the entire time we were trying, we were testing, testing, and optimizing for what we thought would be valuable in the operating room. Right, it was a continuous process of what's the problem, how do we test different technologies, and how do we just say, okay, we're not doing this again. Right, so I guess we learned how to fail fast and test other things. Um, Got it. Which was, you know, really exciting. But that that transition was really a, a key transition for us. And it was, you know, we were always doing support to train surgeons, which was a huge opportunity in itself. But as former surgeons, myself and Andre, we both wanted to find a way 
to be there with the surgeon and with the surgical team, right, helping deliver surgical care. And that's what really drove us from a passion perspective. I love it. And I know that for this, you guys obviously raised a, a bit of money. I mean, between equity and debt, you know, about 93 million. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you here, what was the, I would say like the expectations or or how it changed, let's say from jumping, you know, from a seed round to like a series C round? I mean, what, what were some of the things that you encounter along the way? Yeah, great question. Um, look, we, we didn't really know how to raise money. Right. Um, you know, we, we just, we used to, we used to build models. We used to have ideas and we used to just go out to the market and see, you know, if people were prepared to, to fund us and back us. Um, and, you know, fundamentally the way that we approached it was, um, we would always figure out what we need. Right. So, you know, we, we'd always have an, a, a good understanding of what we needed from a, a, from a cash perspective to achieve the next couple of milestones. And we'd always set ourselves milestones that were milestones that we knew we could hit. And um, then we would calculate back to what we needed. And, you know, when we went out almost every time to, to tell investors about the story, for us, it was, you know, always that psychology of, you know, going out and telling people like what we believed in and what we were passionate about and why we were building what we we're building and the problem. And it was hard because, you know, not everybody who's in a venture capital office sits there and thinks about surgery as a problem, right? And not everybody understands the surgical market and the medical device market. And so there was a lot of things that we had to put into different versions of our deck to really educate the market right sometimes we get asked questions like you know i thought when you are at medical school you learn how to be a surgeon at medical school and we're like no um so i think it was you know the, the process i think was a process of going out to the market and and learning from the questions that people asked us and then making our uh narrative better but always being very clear about what we needed and being consistent about what we needed and why we needed it. Um, and that was the reason I think investors backed us, you know, all of our investors backed us because, you know, we were pretty adamant on the problem that we were trying to solve. We were, you know, experts, I guess, in, in understanding the problem from the inside. And we were just using the technology as a tool and a mechanism to fix the problem. Um, so, that was really it. And obviously those investors, you know, like quite happy with the outcome. You know, for many of them, the best exit that they've ever had. And, you know, one of the largest exits in in Europe. So I guess, uh, uh, Jean, why, why, why did you guys decide to, to, to sell the business? I mean, why did you guys go with the acquisition? It seems that things were, you know, heading in, in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, things were in a, in a, in a good place. And I think... We didn't, you know, we didn't wake up one day and said we wanted to sell. I think it just, sometimes as you're building, you're always trying to figure out how you can do, um, how you can do more faster. And also, you know, how can you do more faster with 
enabling and supporting your team in the best way, but also having that fiduciary responsibility to investors. And that means you just have to be always open in, in how you approach conversations, right? Now, we were very, very fortunate to, you know, we've had people try and come in and, and, and buy the business before. And, you know, there's a story when we turned down a, a pretty, you know, a pretty big opportunity um, because it didn't really align with where we wanted to take the business, right? And, you know, that could be, you know, I'm sure my investors would tell you that was one of the more crazy things that we did, right? Yeah. In fact, it was one of the craziest things that we did. Um, but we did it because we didn't believe that the coming together of of our company with this, you know, one of the largest companies was, was going to make sense. Um, and what we didn't want to do was, you know, create a marriage and, and, you know, have a feeling of needing to divorce in, you know, a couple of weeks, right? And so... Of course. For us, it's, you know, sometimes you meet the right people who you believe in, who you are prepared to say, you know what, together we can do more and thank you for believing in us, right? And, you know, that's why we ended up where we are. And, you know, we're very, very grateful for the opportunity to work with such an incredible medical technology company. And, you know, I say that with all my heart because I've, you know, I've met everybody and, you know, this was the best fit for us, right? Um, yeah. It wasn't a decision to sell. It was much more of a decision to work with an incredible company with a great leader and great leadership to be able to deliver more for surgery for patients faster um, in a way where our team would continue to wake up every day and be incredibly excited about, about the work they're doing. And obviously, this is with a company, Medtronic, that was your first customer. So I'm sure that also the the conversation and you know was quite natural into into doing a transaction. No? I mean, Medtronic's so large that they didn't know that they were the first customer, and you know, <laughs> right. I, we didn't really remember because yeah. they were part of you know it was Covidian back then. So yeah. you know, I guess uh, it's it's ironic that way, right? But in in um, you know, in reality, um, sometimes you know things just happen for the right reasons and. You know, we feel incredibly lucky to be able to continue to do the work that we're doing in a company that understands and needs that work to be delivered in a way that we can do so. And, you know, the coming together of these two forces is going to be very powerful for the world of surgery. Very cool. And why do you think, uh, Jean, that uh, the next big thing is going to be healthcare? I mean, look, healthcare for me was always the big thing. <laughs> okay. So I'm biased. Right. Yeah. But when I wake up every day and I, I, I watch the news and, you know, scientists and doctors are now there and nurses and, and people who, you know, and social care workers and people who delivered healthcare, right, are there at the front page talking about what they do. I just realized that, you know what, the world has recalibrated to understand that there are some incredibly amazing people who for a long time have not had that kind of limelight and not had that yeah. kind of exposure, now being recognized for all the value that they deliver without ever getting the thanks and the appreciation, right? Um, and as I look at how the world is right now, as I'm sure you do as well, 
you know, we all realize that we're sitting at home waiting for a vaccine or a better medical treatment for, you know, a virus that's come out of nowhere. Right? We all realize that, you know, three weeks ago we were incredibly scared because we didn't know if hospital systems had the capacity to deliver the care that we may need. Right? We're all incredibly scared because you know what? There weren't enough ventilators, right? Something that we may have taken for granted. Now, as I look forward, I think there's been more and more focus by all of us on how we live and what we eat and how we sleep and how much exercise we do. And we're a generation that is really, really focused on trying to be healthier, right? Both physically and mentally. On top of that, technology providers are getting more and more excited about, you know, there's ways to reach your consumers and your users and in a way that can help benefit them, right? So more than just allowing them to post a photo of something that they like, but actually a way to give them, you know, value to, to, to them in a way that's much more aligned with them feeling better, right? So I just think that the, this realization both by everybody um, is, is great. And, um, you know, hopefully we get through what we need to get through um, and come out of the other side, really kind of laying the foundation for healthcare as a, a much more immediate thought as opposed to an afterthought. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that in your case, John, you've been, you know, devouring book after book. And uh, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you here, like, what, what's, the, what's the best book you've read in the last couple of weeks? Oh, I'm reading a great book right now. Uh, it's called Lifespan um, okay. by David Sinclair. And it was sent to me by uh, a great venture capitalist, someone who I really admire, actually, um, and an investor in us, a guy called Joe Lonsdale, who was uh, one of our investors from ABC. Um, and it's basically looks at the, well, I say basically, but it, the, the focus is aging okay. and um, trying to understand aging as a, as a process and how we could better, um, we can better solve for aging, whether or not we can stop it or reverse it. We'll see one day, right? But we're all aging and if we can stop it, it would be interesting. Absolutely. So, so talking about aging, so you've definitely aged quite a bit since you started, uh, you know, the business. And thank you. For, thank you for I want to ask you. <laughs> so when you when you first started, I mean, digital surgery. I mean, come on, you you started this in in 2013. I mean, obviously you've had you know like an amazing you know journey here. You know, tons of lessons learned. So if 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 let's say if I if you had the chance, Sean, to go back in time and and have a chat with your younger self with perhaps that younger John that uh, was thinking about starting a business. Um, what would be that one piece of business advice that you would give to yourself, knowing what you know now and, and why? So look, this is a really good question. So I, I look at this in two ways, right? And you know, you, I haven't prepared for this answer, but I guess the first way is, you know, if I look at back at my younger self, I would probably tell myself to just enjoy the journey more. And yeah. even in the difficult times and the uptimes, spend more time enjoying it, right? As opposed to worrying about what's to come in the future. Um, and then actually, I would ask my younger self to remind my older self, so the other way around, of why 
it's important to make mistakes and to, uh, you know, we did a lot of crazy, I mean, we did a lot of crazy things back then, right? You know, two doctors who had no idea about how to build a business, you know, leave medicine and leave a very amazing career pathway to build a business thinking they're going to build a huge business without any real facts or any proven track record or anything. Um, so we did pretty crazy things back then. So I guess I'd remind everybody's younger self, right. To remind your current self, uh, that, you know, being young and quote unquote foolish is actually, um, really interesting and it gets you into interesting places and interesting opportunities. Right. So it's a, it'll be a dialogue between my older and my younger self. I love it. I love it. So, so John, for the people, for the people that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Um, I'm pretty accessible on, you know, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, um, and, uh, you know, if, if anybody feels like they'd love to share an idea or, or a dilemma, you know, I'm, I'm always somebody who will respond to emails. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the, most interesting people that we've ended up working with have been through cold outreach and cold emails. So, you know, getting to know people just is, is always interesting and fun. So yeah, people can feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to be helpful. Where, where I Amazing, John. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, John, for being on the Dealmaker Show today. Thank you for having me and thank you for the great questions, Alejandro. Stay well. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at Alejandro at PantheraAdvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.